Previously on Bad Heroes. Are we going to get any other like weapons or something to help? I mean, we all like almost died. Now that you have proven yourselves. Yes. When you're ready for your next mission, Danny will take you to the actual armory of Vire and you can help yourselves. Silent. I barely remember hearing about it. Something that would have just drastically increased the rate of growth for things. The Erdernethal. It is a relic, and it is real. I can see why you would be interested in it now. But to use it, you must be so powerful. Tonra, I have known you since you were a sapling, just a babe at Seni's knee, and you have never been ordinary. If anyone can grow into it, it's you. Iria, breaker of oaths, I have broken more than I ever made. But what is torn, I will mend. I love the mortal arts. You have talent, Iria. Allow me to be your patron. What's in it for you? I want to see you perform, Iria, and I want to see you grow. I think I will take you up on that. You and I, we're going to have fun. Even if I could leave this place, which I can't, I don't know who I can trust anymore in Silverscale. Gideon, I'm sorry that you had to leave, but we're still your family. We still love you. We still want you to come home. No, Amara, you don't understand. You don't understand the lies that we've both been told. Gideon, I think that we were told Vyre came to our rescue against unknown assailants so we wouldn't rebel. Just because the world has forgotten our strength doesn't mean we have. It is up to us to remember. Guys, the gang is back together. Hey. I was the only one. Like, <laughs> wow. That's it. Very... That's, I'm the only enthusiast. Not even semi-enthusiastic. Say it again. Okay, Say it again. Fine. Let's take it again. Guys, the gang is back together. Yeah. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness I have a compressor. Uh, yeah, you walked right into that. So... And I, and I don't just mean us, although I am, of course, very happy to see you guys. Your characters are also back together. Yay! Yay. Okay, finally. I, I feel like it's been months. I mean, in real life it has. In the game, it's been one month. I guess that's also a long time. So, it is late afternoon on a rainy autumn day in Vyre's capital. And after receiving a summons from Danny the night before, you have all assembled at her cottage. And that is the moment we are in. Take it away. Hey, guys. It's been a while. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen you this whole month, have I? Yeah, have you guys... Did you guys see each other at all during this month? Did you guys, like, look each other up in the phone book? Or were you like, ugh? Did you guys catch my show? Tonry looks up to Uriah. He's been probably standing nearby. He's got Ruthween sitting on his forearm, and he's uh, feeding his owl some things. And looks over to Uriah and says... Unfortunately, I did not. I was a bit busy with training over this last month among some other discoveries, but how did it go? 
Uh, good. Yeah, probably a good thing you weren't there because it was just so crowded. There were so many people. A lot of clapping. It was very loud. Tonrier's eyebrows arch just a little bit, but <laughs> he nods and he says, "So you have some repute within the capital now." A little bit, yeah, I would say. She looks at her claws, kind of like <laughs> <laughs> snootily. Yes, I liked when you were like, "He's feeding." Uh, Rulthuin some things and I immediately pictured you feeding Rulthuin like bolts and like <laughs> pieces of paper and a pen <laughs> I just pictured those damn strawberries again and Rulthuin's like stop <laughs> I don't eat fruit <laughs> strawberry fields forever um so <laughs> Tonrir nods at that and says well if anything it seems to have boosted your confidence a bit which is not a bad thing it isn't <laughs> You know, say for better or worse. Hey, Gideon, what are you doing? Gideon's reading. Of course. <laughs> Tonry is actually going to walk over to Gideon and peer over her shoulder uh, just to see what exactly it is that she is reading. Mm-hmm. It's, all right. It just says butts, 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 butts. Found a copy of that skeleton erotica, did you? No, she's reading a basic spell book that is... Very simple necromancy. Tonrir, actually, I should probably roll to see if I actually understand what I'm reading, eh? <laughs> There's a big skull on the cover. <laughs> yeah, but it could be that skeleton erotica. I don't know. It's, it's true. It's true. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. I am working on extracting the dice. Oh, shit. Dice. Mm. From what? Was- <laughs> <laughs> uh. So... He rolled an 18 with the dice. That's going to be good enough. Yeah. So as he does so, Tonmir corks an eyebrow and then looks at looks at Gideon and with some diplomacy tries to say, is the reading insightful? And she briefly looks up and glances at him, not realizing any of the body language or anything. And just kind of says, a lot of elemental cold skills in here that I find fascinating. And like she's saying this as she's continuing to drift her eyes back down to the book and keep reading. And while she's still looking at the book, she just kind of waves and gestures broadly and says, you're welcome to borrow it after I'm done. I'll consider it. But for the moment, please just keep it to yourself. (laughs) Iria walks over and she's like, I know I'm not your favorite person, but I literally don't know anyone else here. So I'm really happy to see you guys. But what have you been doing for the past month? Like, what have you been doing here? And then they recount two and a half hours to you. (laughs) And everyone is brought up to speed. (laughs) Gideon's going to keep reading. She's not like bored or anything. She's really entranced into this book, which is why she won't stop reading it. And she just says... Oh, um, I had some family visit and visited some bookshops. Tonrir gestures toward where the, where the Arboretum is, where the, the forests are, and says, Have you been able to venture over to where the druids have crafted the woods? You know, I've, been, I've pretty much been staying in the city center, maybe a little, like, underground, um, but I haven't really ventured out past that. I was digesting, learning some things about what happened to my home. I happened to find 
an old friend. And he says it with that kind of gentle smile that recollects the fond memory of recent and also what tied in with the old, as if there's been a little bit of a sense of, of resolution. And he, uh, he looks back to Iria and says, When we have time, I think it would be worthwhile to show you what's over there. But I did learn some things, too. Hold out your drum. So Iria gets it out and like holds it up to Tonrir. Tonrir adjusts it in her hands, just outward. And as it's set, he kneels down and uh, reaches into the ground. And as he does so, these small little vines start creeping up, and then they brace the drum to hold it in place, so that way she can play it hands-free. Ooh, you just made a, a vine table. A vine table, yeah. And oh. it, like, cusps it, so that way... She could use both of her hands to play it and then just stands back up and says things like this. Iria plays a few notes and she's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm sure there are many more useful uses for this, but like, this is amazing. I love that everybody except Gideon is like flexing. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Gideon now has like a super cool one shoulder cape that is clearly made of dragon scales. (laughs) She has all new clothes and she has this brand new cape. She just kind of has a different look about her. I think her hair is tied up in more of a, a regal fashion, similar to her sister, how her sister would do her own hair before going into battle. Sort of a power bun. <laughs> like a power braided bun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she has the cool new cloak and she has new books. And does she have like a new attitude or like aura about her? Like more? I would say, yeah, if if anybody were to like really analyze her, she doesn't quite seem the same. Like she's still Gideon in that she's like, I have a lot of privilege and I have a lot of money and I have a lot of knowledge and you are kind of beneath me, that kind of attitude. But she's less, I guess, braggy about it. Does she seem more driven and confident? She seems a little bit more confident and she seems a little bit more, (laughs) as much as this word would fit for the situation, engaged with the group. (laughs) She doesn't seem like she's angling to leave as soon as possible. So Gideon looks a little more set to the task at hand, a little more engaged. I think Iria has a stronger presence than she did before. Do you think that's fair, Liska? Like she has a little more flair, a little more showmanship. That's what she's been learning. Yeah. Yeah, her performance has definitely, like, amped up, and that's also increased her confidence just in, like, general socialization and interpersonally, like, because that's partly a performance, too. So I think she's just more confident being able to, like, perform outside of herself. Mm-hmm. And then Tonrir, I mean, Tonrir was, like, in a sad shape last time you guys saw him. He really had sort of a very lost energy about him, and I think now that's not the case, right? Like, he, he seems... Mm-hmm. Better. He seems hopeful. Yeah. uh, Like, even in this most recent conversation, there's a little bit more light in his eyes. I'm even trying to intonate his words to be a little bit more positive and happy. Aw. Tonrir looks between Erie and Gideon and is noting what he sees in each of them. And he says, it has been a long month, but I am glad to see you to it. I was reminded recently that a tree alone is not a forest. Hopefully, we can become more of that for us together. Aw. Iria goes in for a hug and, like, sways with 
Don Rear, if he accepts the hug. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Don Rear is very open to touch. Like one of the things that was mentioned was Ton Rear's culture. Some of that identity was just contact through reassurance and all of that stuff. So yeah, absolutely. He's of course going to try to meet the hug properly, you know, put the right arm up and the left arm down and all that stuff. Okay. But roll to hug. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us are just Ton Rear. Both of you. Oh, no. <laughs> 13. 15. Okay. Iria does great. She gets her arms in just the right place. Tonver, your hand gets stuck for a second, but then you get it, you know, into the correct location. And it's a good hug. And as you guys are hugging, Gideon, you're not hugging. Are you? You're reading, aren't you? No, she's reading and she's going to, almost as if it was a reaction to what they were talking about or whatever they were saying. She just kind of stands up with the book still in her hand and goes, fascinating. And then closes it and looks up and goes, why are you touching? <laughs> I think Iria still hugging Tanra is going to like sway walk towards Gideon <laughs> so she can like join in on this hug. Gideon will roll her eyes and put one arm out and just put it on Iria's shoulder. <laughs> Iria accepts this delightfully. <laughs> you guys are in this moment and you look over and you see Danny sitting cross-legged on the ground with her hands under her chin and her eyes are huge stars and she's just staring at all of you the same way that you would stare at three Labrador puppies who are tripping over each other and she just looks just like beside herself like looking at you guys and she's like (laughs) I think Iria sees Danny and she's like Danny get over here before Danny can get up Gideon takes her arm off of Iria's shoulder and walks over to her bag and starts packing it herself Wow. (laughs) Like she just starts shoving different things into it. And then she looks over and with a hint of a smile, she just kind of looks at them and says, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get out there and rough it. (laughs) (laughs) I think when you look back over, Danny has moved from the floor to being in the middle of Uria and Tonrir, and she just smiles and says, Danny sandwich. (laughs) 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 This wholesome moment brought to you by Bad Heroes. (laughs) Before all the carnage begins. All right, so Danny unsqueezes herself from the middle of the hug. Everybody shakes it out a little bit, and she says, all right, guys, it's that time again. I'm going to take you to the Royal Armory to spend some of your coin if you want to. And then we are going to go check in with the queen. And then you will head over to Vespers and get teleported into the wild blue yonder or wherever you're going. Is everybody ready? Let's go. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. So, (laughs) Safira forgot to pay you last time you hung out for several reasons. One, because I forgot to pay you. (laughs) And then two, because Gideon started some shit. And then three. Start no shit. I don't know what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. <laughs> and then three, because someone literally tried to assassinate Safira while you guys all were talking. So, in addition to paying for your necessities during your stay in Vire, Safira also sent you each 5,000 gold pieces. Now, <laughs> that was a very confusing number for me to come up with because the thing is, when you look up the economy in Pathfinder, it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> so true. One gold piece is at the lowest estimate, roughly 100 US dollars. So at 5,000 gold, you all just got paid essentially 500,000 US dollars. 
Damn. Which is an ass ton, right? But as you will but see- Everything's so expensive. I know! As you will see, you still won't be able to afford very many magical items. This economy makes no sense. Someone working <laughs> at a tavern makes what equates to like $10 a day. Oh my god. But a level five hero is supposed to start with 10,000 gold. That's literally a million dollars. Sycophants. Worms. I decided to split the difference and you each get 5,000 gold, which is half a million dollars. So I guess if two of you like get married, then you have a million dollars. But short of that, you each have half a million, which is a little more reasonable. Awesome. Uh, so 5,000 gold. Is there a <laughs> bank? Jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle. Yeah, I was like. That's kind of heavy, huh? Yeah, there's a bank. It's called the it's called the Bank of Vire. <laughs> Do they have the chip technology? No, they don't. They have, you carry your coins and you defend your cash money. <laughs> okay, so Danny marches you guys across the castle grounds, past that massive castle of stone and steel, and towards an official-looking building that has the crest of the House of Fane on it. The front door is carved with ominous-looking sigils. And Danny just stands in front of the door and looks at you guys. Any idea what the sigils are? I don't even know if it's important. I think it's probably abyssal, and I don't think any of you guys speak abyssal. Nope. Okay. Tonrir looks at Danny and says, Yes? Open it. 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 Tonrir nods. And nods again. <laughs> open it, open it, open it, open it, open it, open it, open it. And then... Open it, 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 open it. Walks forward to... Open it! Open it. Oh my god, open it. So you open the door, and instantly a blast of fire fills the doorway from floor to ceiling. Fucking rad. Did Danny do this on purpose? <laughs> it, she has a shit-eating grin on. And it is scorchingly hot, and you can feel it on any exposed skin. And anyone close to the door instantly starts sweating. And Danny looks at you and says, Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Iria's fur is a little singed on the end. Tonmer says, No, it's, it's warm. It's very warm. Everybody give me a perception check real quick. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Area got a four. Oh my gosh, I forgot my perception came up so much. Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen. Gideon and Tonrir, you notice that the symbols you carry that are also inlaid with the symbol of the House of Fane have started glowing. So Gideon, that's the pendant in your pocket, and Tonrir, that's your... Bracelet. I think you have a cuff or yeah. like a bracelet. Okay. So they're they're glowing. They're glowing red. Gideon's just holding the amulet in her hand and looking at it. Tonrir catches that at a side glance, seeing the amulet, and then... Rolls up his uh, sleeve to take a look at the bracelet to see it as well. I think <laughs> Danny pulls back her pants leg. And you can see now, I think for the first time, a solid silver cuff wrapped around her ankle. And it, like your tokens, bears the crest of the House of Fane. But it looks way more permanent. Like, to get that sucker off, you're pretty sure you'd have to hack her foot off. Because it doesn't seem to have any hinges or anything that opens. It's like on there. And Danny looks at you and grins and wiggles her bare toes and then sticks her whole leg in the fire. <laughs> ah! I'm kidding. It's totally fine. <laughs> Iria was about to like run up and, and pull her out. Iria, roll a deck saving throw. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Oh my God, three. <laughs> Danny pushes you through the doorway. 
And it's fine. It doesn't hurt. It tickles a little bit. Um, but you you go through this flame and you are totally unharmed. And Danny grins and jumps in after you. Uriah goes to like do something to Danny to, to get her back. Just jokingly though. Gideon just walks through. Yeah, I was gonna say Tonrear looks at Gideon, <laughs> sees Gideon walk through. And then Tonrear looks back at outward toward the rest of the city as if it's going to be the last time that he sees it. No. Oh, this is horrible. Tondra has to go through fire. I know. I feel bad now because I made this and I forgot. (laughs) And I did did a bad job and I hurt him on accident. This is fine. This is fine. It's character growth. It's growth. I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. This is the city of Ash. Okay, so he turns around (laughs) and then closes his eyes and walks through it. Okay. Tondra, you are okay? It is warm and a little tingly, but you come through just fine. And I think when you come into the other side, the first thing you see is Danny and Iria on the ground tussling. <laughs> and Danny is trying to give Iria a noogie. <laughs> Danny's tiny, isn't she? Oh, yeah. She climbed you. Like, she climbed you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Danny's got that ground fight in life going for her. <laughs> so you, you find yourself in an armory. And I'm going to send you guys a list of magical items available to you in this armory. Unlike the trash shed of reject weapons that you visited last time in the gear up sequence. (laughs) Jesus. Everything in here is neatly labeled and polished to perfection. On the right side, you see a massive orc artificer meticulously straightening the 10 pencils on his desk. And around him on display, you see the extraordinary objects I'm about to send you. To the left, you see a massive stock of basic adventuring goods and gear. And that's going to be things like non-magical weapons, armor, and tools. You can buy anything that's like basic or, you know, non-magical adventuring gear. And then also this list I have composed for you and will now send to you. Gip. Gip, 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 gip. <laughs> I gip. Okay, so these are some magical items that I have either created from whole cloth or that I have adapted from existing items that you guys mentioned that you were interested in. So some of these I just pulled out of my brain, but some of these are adaptations of existing things. So yeah, take a look. All those things will be on the right. There's a discount bin. There's a discount bin. (laughs) All those things are on the right side where the artificer is. So I think the way we'll do this is just like, tell me what you're interested in. You guys can read the objects that you're- Oh my God. It's like- First off, Coolness is an anonymous jackalope. Good. Oh, yeah, he's a jackalope for me, too. <laughs> but I love that this is the, the first thing, the voice of reason, is just the fucking sorting hat. <laughs> it's the sorting hat, but very judgmental. It's very judgmental. It's like, yeah. It- Sorts your decisions. <laughs> Kaz, go ahead and read that object. A floppy purple wizard hat with dangling beads and a mouth cut into it. Once daily when donned, it grants a plus five wisdom modifier and will explain in painstaking detail why the hero's current bad idea is unwise. Now, I I feel like this was made specifically for a very unwise cat who happens to be purple. That object is literally called the voice of reason. <laughs> oh, um, well, I don't know, because that second one is also a pretty good area fit. Will you, will you read the second one, Liska? The second one is Vest of the Plunging Neckline. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> 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 
Uh, so the vest of the plunging neckline is just a real good looking vest with a real deep neckline. Plus one sex appeal. I mean, plus one charisma. <laughs> Effective on people of any gender and any body type. Cleavage not required. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> I'm proud of that one. <laughs> Other things that are here is Cloak of the Cypress. This green cloak is etched with an intricate pattern of a cypress tree, its thick roots reaching down into the water. The transmutation magic imbued in the white stitching allows the wearer to transform once a day into a massive living cypress tree, as if under the effects of tree shape. This form allows the wearer to heal 1d6 hit points every hour that they stand in clean water. Why are you laughing? (laughs) I'm just laughing because I can... (laughs) Like, wow, that fight was kind of hard. I'm just going to be a tree for a bit. Hang on. That really adds sort of like extra... I really need a bath, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm a tree. There's quite a few other objects, too, but yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. I found it. I see what you put in there. (laughs) Oh, no. What is it? The diadem of speech. Yep. (laughs) Go ahead and read that for us, would you? (laughs) Oh, my God. This jeweled headband makes any animal companion look like royalty. Divination magic flowing through the band allows the creature wearing it to speak and understand one language which they cannot normally speak, such as common. The enchantment functions as a speak with animal spell and does not alter the creature's natural behavior or change its intelligence. I would like to point out that the cost of the diadem of speech is 5,000 gold pieces, which is every (laughs) single penny that you have been paid. Yep. Oh, choices. Choices. Oh, God. I know why you did this. Yeah. To hurt you? (laughs) I did. Yes. (laughs) I want the thing that was obviously made for me. What's that? The blade of the viper. (laughs) <laughs> would you would you read that? The handle of this dagger is carved into the shape of an open-mouthed viper. If anyone but the owner tries to pick the dagger up, the dagger will come alive and bite them, dealing 1d2 constitution damage. I like that one. Just, like, for flavor. I like how you're afraid of snakes, but that thing is, like, perfect for you. I'm not anymore. Oh, you aren't? She's recovered. She is a recovered snake. I've of, grown. snake of Recovered snake of <laughs> Recovered snake of <laughs> <laughs> That's the word for it. I have another object, uh, the one right under that. And I, uh, coolness, will you read that one? Yeah. (laughs) It's called the Sling of Bees. I had to say it that way. An unassuming black slingshot with a subtle yellow engraving that reads in slanting, sophisticated cursive. Run, you bastards, run! (laughs) It functions as a normal small sling. But once daily when fired while the user speaks the engraved command phrase... The slingshot summons and launches a swarm of angry bees that terrorize a 10-foot area for one minute, doing 2d8 damage to all creatures in striking range. Amazing. It's basically a chaos button. I like my women like I like my coffee. Covered in bees. Covered in bees. (laughs) Hot with a spoon in them? (laughs) Yeah, this one's getting the explicit tag for sure. All right, so... There are a couple other objects. I'll read the ones that you guys don't end up being interested in. But uh, so you guys walk in and you see an artificer on the right who is like a large orc. Danny walks in and she goes, hey, so how's it going? And he's like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And Gideon walks up to him and goes, my man, I feel the same way. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I love it. So Danny, Danny jumps up onto his desk and he sighs really heavily and says, 
It is profoundly uncivilized to not wear shoes. It is even more uncivilized to put your dirty feet on my desk. And Danny's like, hey, I'm so happy to see you. I brought you some friends. Um, these friends get one free armor upgrade and also they want to go shopping. So if you could just like tell them about like the special or something. <laughs> and he like puts out one large arm and just sort of sweeps her off the desk. <laughs> Our showcase item today is a sling of bees. <laughs> I personally cannot think of a single social event that would not have been improved by the sudden appearance of a swarm of bees. <laughs> we have other items, including things in the discount bin. Try to shop with your eyes. I spend a lot of time cleaning and straightening everything. All right, this, is, th this character speaks to my soul. <laughs> uh, and he sits down and turns away and proceeds to ignore you guys completely unless you need help so we have a couple different things to get done we have armor upgrades for you guys and then there's also shopping so okay oh man <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> I had muted myself so I could go listen to some old voice clips that I had sent along just because I was trying to recollect what exactly had inspired some things? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay. Now, I know what you're thinking of. And I would like you to remember <laughs> that we do want this show to be sonically pleasurable for our listeners. <laughs> so, should you decide to create another voice in this moment, <laughs> please try to remember that people have to listen to it with their ears. <laughs> I have a compressor. Okay. I'm fine. No, I get it. I understand. It's... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, probably not this time. Maybe next time. All right. As tempting as it is. I have a question. We're, of course, talking about the diadem of speech and the voice of Rulthuin. Yes. Yes, uh, Cass? What's up? Wow. Yep. I forgot who you are. What's up, Cass? <laughs> <laughs> so this unicorn horn. <laughs> Gideon goes over to the discount bin. Okay, well, hang on. Let me let me be clear here. Gideon has already picked up the Blade of the Viper and has a few of the multiplying spikes in her hands. A few? Yeah. Okay, all right. Good, good, good. Because I assume they're consumed. Yes, they are a one-shot. Go ahead and read the multiplying spikes. Okay. A miniature iron caltrop, so light it can be easily thrown or launched with a sling. The small spike multiplies on impact into several dozen spikes, which fill a 10-foot radius and deal 1d4 piercing damage to any creature moving within the affected areas. Creature standing still are unaffected, single use. Okay, yep. So you got the Blade of the Viper, and then you've got some multiplying spikes. Blade of the Viper is 2,000 gold. Multiplying spikes are 100 gold each. Yeah. The horn. Mm-hmm. Beautiful spiraling rainbow unicorn horn appears to have been fashioned into a wand, but after a lifetime of use, it is cracked down the center. Upon being picked up, it spits sparks into the air, and once daily spellcasters can give it a wave and cast a completely random spell, lesser than or equal to their caster level. How is... You forgot the last sentence, and I think it's important. Why would you leave that? The, the last sentence is very important about the broken unicorn horn that caused 3,000 gold pieces. Alternatively, <laughs> they can strap it to a horse's head and ma play make-believe, and it can stab for 1d6. <laughs> or strap it to your own head and play make-believe. You All that just so you could do that. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you see the broken unicorn horn lying in the discount bin with that description next to it. Uh-huh. And yes, you... And then I, as a player, have a question. I, as a GM, probably have an answer. So um, 
random spell lesser than or equal to the caster level, do you have some kind of like chart that I would roll for? Or like, how's the randomization figured out? I have a website that generates a random spell. Oh, and you can set the level of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm not gonna, I mean, I could make a chart with 100 spells in it, but I don't have the spare hours. So I (laughs) I would use a spell generator and you can set the level and I would just make sure it's your level or lower. And it can be from any school. Okay, I was just curious. Tonner is walking around and he's made a point to clasp his hands behind his back to, you know, shop with his eyes. And as soon as his eyes lay sight on the cloak of Cypress, it naturally will generate some interest from him. So he comes over to look at it closely, just looking at the amazing embroidery work that is done on that. So that's taking his interest and quick question in character. He has to ask what it does, I'm guessing. No, it's um. So the text that I have written out here for you guys is written on a plaque beneath each object. Oh, okay. So you guys don't have to do any hinky stuff to figure out what anything does. Ah, Artificer has a sense of humor then. <laughs> hmm. Couldn't you tell? <laughs> so you have your eyeballs on Cloak of the Cypress. I can read down a couple other objects real quick. We also have the blanket of fallen leaves for 2,000 gold, a thin wool blanket crocheted using a leaf stitch pattern. It contains red, orange, yellow, and green patches for a uniquely fall look. It can be added to any bedroll for extra coziness or in a pinch, thrown over one prone creature of medium size, activating a glamour that makes them appear to be nothing but a pile of autumn leaves. A perception check of 20 is required to see through this illusion so long as the wearer is still. Kaz, would you read the Ninth Life Gloves? I was actually looking at getting those two. Yeah, it's based off of an object that you had mentioned to me, mm-hmm. which is just, uh, you know, a comment on, on how we don't have much healing power in this group. So I whipped up. This is based off of an actual object. <laughs> it's based off of an actual, no slam to the bard. This is based off of like an actual object that exists in Pathfinder that I think is like gloves that have sapphires or something. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to adjust it to give it a little bit of that vire flare. So go ahead and read that to us. Ninth Life Gloves. A pair of gloves with decorative obsidian claws when snapped or otherwise broken Nine of the claws will enable the wearer to cast Cure Light Wounds on themselves or an ally, healing 1d8 points of damage. The tenth claw, however, will deal 1d10 points of damage to the intended recipient. When using the gloves, you roll a d10 to determine the outcome, and when a one is rolled or when the nine healing claws have been used up and only one remains, the broken claw deals damage instead of healing. Hmm. So healing gloves, but like with a little bit of risk involved. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm going to snag those. Okay. So those are 3,500 gold. Okay. Yeah, that's almost all my money. Oh, yeah. You had more money from before. I forgot about that. Okay. All right. I'm pretty much spent, though. If only we could utilize those gloves while wielding that broken sword from the prior season. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, just really roll the dice on whether it's going to go really good or really bad. (laughs) Coolness, would you read the uh, Bracers of the Fallen Stag? Yes. For 4,000 gold, these thick leather bracers are imbued with the strength of a powerful stag whose body faded at the end of a long life, but whose spirit lives on. Always ready for a fight, the conjuration magic within these bracers grants a plus two bonus to AC and summons up the faint specter of a proud stag when that bonus protects the wearer from a hit. I wanted to, I wanted to get that, but I was 200 gold short, so I was like, eh. I mean, maybe you can con someone someone else in your party to give you 200 gold. It's not a ton. <laughs> they have so little. 
Uh, Liska, would you read the Pants of the Hidden Blade? Sure. Pants of the Hidden Blade for 2,500 gold. These black pants are silky, stretchy, and can be worn over or under other armor. On each thigh is a painted silver blade, which can be pulled into three-dimensional reality and used as a real weapon for one minute before fading into nothingness. The blades regenerate monthly beneath the full moon. Kinda edgy, trademark, comes with a free band t-shirt. <laughs> which band? Dealer's choice. There, you can see a box of band t-shirts like underneath this object. <laughs> <laughs> there is one single other object that's in the discount bin. For 1,500 gold pieces, there is the Pendant of the Seeker. This small pendant dangles from a delicate iron chain. Shaped like a compass, when held, it points the user towards the object, person, or destination that they most desire for several seconds. Unfortunately, it is easily distracted from the logical quest by things like fleeting attraction, hunger for a nice sandwich, and a good place for a nap. Unfit for Iria. Uh, I was just about to say, Iria is like really looking at this and like also looking at the hat and thinks like those two things together will be perfect because she'll just wear the hat when she uses the pen. She uses the pendant and it'll even out. Amazing. <laughs> This is Dre Silvertooth, your GM, and thank you for listening to episode 24 of Bad Heroes, the fourth episode in the Return to Vire interlude. I have a very special announcement this week that I have been dying to share. Our heroes are shopping for magical objects, and I have one last magical object to describe to you. My friend, if you have coin, you can purchase for your real-life dice a beautiful Bad Heroes Dice Bag. We have partnered with a rad creator called Games by B to create this awesome handmade Bad Heroes Dice Bag. It's got the snake from our logo stitched in beautiful color onto the front of a really high quality black dice bag that can fit so many clicky clacks. And the inside of the bag is this beautiful purple, blue, and green, almost like watercolor fabric with these metallic accents. And there's a dice tray that matches the bag and makes for a killer set. (sighs) Guys, I paint word pictures kind of for a living. And I cannot paint a word picture strong enough to convey the beauty of this dice bag. So you are going to have to either catch a peek on our social media or go straight to Games by B on Etsy. That's Games by B, one word, and the B is spelled like the bumblebee. B is super kind, and they make all the items in their shop by hand, and they are all stunning. Though obviously I think our dice bag is the best, but you should go poke around and decide for yourself. If you go and you find something in B's shop that you love, tell them we sent you for a crisp 10% off with the coupon BAD HEROES. One word, all caps, BAD HEROES for 10% off gorgeous handmade dice bags and trays at Games by B on Etsy. Do you like cool stories told by trans creators? Well, friends, I have good news. If you need to scratch that tabletop RPG story itch, 
but the two weeks between our episodes spans approximately forever, then I know just where to send you. Transplaner is a bi-weekly stream made by all trans folks. You know how you can never see our faces because Bad Heroes is a podcast, and also possibly because we are cryptids? Well, you can look upon Transplaner's beautiful mugs because they are a live stream. Watch them spin you a tale about heroes on a quest to learn where the gods and the stars have gone. You can stream them on Twitch and find them on Twitter at TransplanerRPG. Do you like puns? Do you think if only there were five more coolnesses on the show, making puns 24-7 until I have hit my daily pun quota? If you said yes to my ridiculous question, then The Drunken Geek is another Pathfinder actual play podcast that you need to be listening to. The cast is a handful of hilarious people who share a love of comedy and adventure. So, if you are into that winning recipe, then get your butt over to thedrunkengeek.com or find them on Twitter at DrunkenGeekPod. Hey, do you use social media? We have that. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bad Heroes Cast. Come hang out with us. You can also check out our rad website at badheroescast.com. We do content warnings for the heavier episodes, and we are working on putting together episode transcripts for accessibility. That is admittedly slow going. It takes a lot of time, but it's in the cards and we're doing our best. And I will be sure to let you all know when it is available. We also have a Patreon and the lowest tier is just $2 a month. I don't think you can get a single thing at Starbucks for $2, but for just $2 a month, you can make a bunch of nerds very happy. We have a ton of fun making this show, but it is also a ton of work, especially for Leanne and I, who do our best on the editing front to make sure that the show sounds as good as possible. Also, because I am a fool of the highest caliber and decided to go homebrew, I spent a ton of time writing for this show. So, if this podcast brings you joy, and if you've got a few extra bucks a month, please consider tossing it our way at patreon.com slash badheroes. We shall take your money and turn it into good jokes and bad heroics. Music in this episode includes Thinking Music and Wizardorium by Kevin McLeod. Wizardorium is a great name for basically anything. <laughs> uh, and of course, our theme is Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Do you feel like I've been talking to you forever? That is because I have. That's it for today. <laughs> Our next episode comes out on October 7th. See you then. So yeah, that is what's here. Also, of course, mundane objects like tents and, you know, a dagger, an arrow, that kind of stuff is all here too. The old Gideon might have bought like a 10-person tent just for herself, but... <laughs> but this new practical Gideon instead <laughs> wants a dagger that bites people. <laughs> World-wisened Gideon <laughs> is, as she said, ready to rough it. And so it's only going to be an eight-person tent. Exactly. <laughs> Living in squalor. Uh. <laughs>
I love Gideon. I would I would die for Gideon. <laughs> so Tonra's pretty set on that cloak. He's also just gonna refresh his uh, quiver with some arrows. Okay. He's only gonna need fifteen or so, if I were to guess. Let me tell you about how few crossbow bolts I actually used. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> how much are fifteen arrows? Uh, let me look. Um. I was just checking out. I looked up arrows, and there's like a bunch of different types of arrows. You can see there's all these special arrows that do things too. Yeah, um, they're just your run-of-the-mill arrows that he goes with. Okay, one gold piece. Yeah. So you are sitting at four thousand and fifteen gold used. Iria, what you thinking? I think Iria, for once in her life, is going to make a good decision and go with the voice of reason hat because it's stylish and it's practical. Mm-hmm. It's something she doesn't often run into. <laughs> So she's going to get that. And then she's going to also go over to the artificer and she's going to talk to him about the pants of the hidden blade and try to haggle oh, no. um, oh, no. with him <laughs> oh, no. and be like, I see these pants of the hidden blade. What if I didn't get a free band t-shirt and bought it for 1500 And then the hat speaks <gasps> up. <laughs> I'm not wearing the hat <laughs> purposefully. <laughs> I think he doesn't even look up and he reaches down onto his desk and he grabs a sign and holds it up in front of your face. And it's a big, sad face. And it says, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Can I interest you in trading? He waves the sign. (laughs) (laughs) How about, uh, would you trade a dagger for the, Pants of the Hidden Blade for 1500 And I don't have to get the shirt. You want... Sorry. You want me to take a normal dagger. Just a dagger. Like a, like a 20 gold piece of garbage. It's a dagger that I have carried and used. So... So it's a dirty dagger. You want me to take <laughs> a dirty dagger that's been God knows where... And you want me you to don't take? Want to know. You want me to? Mm, you want me to? T- <laughs> mm, you want me to mm, take that dagger? You want me to take that dagger, which is basically garbage, and not give you a band T-shirt, which is also basically garbage, and give you magical pants that cost two thousand five hundred gold pieces that summon daggers. I mean, I'll still give you fifteen hundred. So you're trying to tell me. That that band T-shirt would be worth a thousand gold pieces. <laughs> Roll. No, it's worth nine hundred and ninety-eight gold pieces because the dagger is worth two. Roll charisma. <laughs> oh, oh god, I've been rolling real bad today, so I should have got that plunging neckline. <laughs> <laughs> got to make these things work for you. Twelve. He slowly pushes the sign into your face. <laughs> and just sort of pushes back so that you slowly walk backwards away from him and then goes back to what he was doing. <laughs> okay. Iria turns around dejected and she's going to pick up the pendant of the seeker because she can afford it. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So that brings you to an even 5,000. Does that mean you are not getting any mundane objects? Uh, no, she did have 15 gold pieces from when she carried all of Gideon's stuff, and she's going to get a hammock for one silver piece. <laughs> okay, great. So you have gotten the Pendant of the Seeker, the Voice of Reason, and a hammock. Yep. Okay, great. 
So you are you are done. I think that you put the stuff down and he just sort of rings you up silently without looking at you and then shoves it towards you and then says, have a good day. <laughs> Iria tries to look like forlorn so that he can feel bad, but it doesn't work. Nope. <laughs> Gids, what you got going? Oh, I didn't check out, huh? Nope. What did you pick? You picked. <laughs> come, come, come check out at my fantasy register. So Gideon walks over to the Blade of the Viper and picks it up and then brings it over and puts it on the counter and looks at the artificer. He does not look at you. (laughs) Okay. And she says, I'm getting this, and then walks away. Okay. And goes to get the multiplying spikes. Okay. And then comes back with three of those and puts them on the counter and looks at him again and says, I'm also getting these, and then walks away. (laughs) Okay. And then comes back with the ninth life gloves and puts those down and says, and I'm getting these and you really need to get some baskets in here. (laughs) (laughs) He, without looking up, says 5,800 gold. Okay. So Gideon just hauls out a sack of gold coins and is he still not making eye contact with her? Nope. Okay. She chucks it on the table and makes it spill over. And then walks away with her stuff. He, he sobs. No, he. (laughs) (laughs) You, okay. Now, hold on. You, sorry. Did you just spill 5,800 gold pieces all over this poor man's desk? Yes, he wouldn't look at me. A tear falls from his eye and he starts gathering the gold. I want to make it known that Gideon dropped it and... Like, she didn't, like, dump out the sack, but she dropped it in a way where the top was open and all the coins would spill out and, like, mess up his pencils and all that stuff. He, okay, he stands up and you suddenly see that this dude is huge, Gideon. He looks at you with just absolute rage in his eyes and then he go, he closes his eyes and he goes, count to ten, count to ten, counting to ten. Counting to ten. <laughs> and Gideon Gideon points one finger at him and says, customer service matters, buddy. And then walks off with her stuff. He snaps the sign that says no. <laughs> <laughs> and then sits back down and starts meticulously straightening his pencils and scoops your gold into a till. And, all right, Yuri checked. Nope. Yuri Ta- checked out. Gideon checked out. Tanru, you're up. <laughs> So, <laughs> Ton Rear walks up to the desk. If you catch him at the right moment, he will only charge you between one and ten gold pieces. What? Based on his counting. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Ton Rear will see the other two walking away from the counter and come up to him. More than 5,000 gold pieces, it's not a small amount. Imagine trying to clear off, like, 5,800 <laughs> pieces of rice individually from a counter. You got to assume at some point there's like coins that are more than one gold piece. There's like a fiver, <laughs> like a like a tenner. Because otherwise. I didn't see any in there. Oh, boy. Okay. Yes. He's <laughs> gathering 5,800 coins and weeping on the inside. And that's the, that's what you see. Okay. Hmm. Tonrir is working on pulling out the correct amount. He's trying to empathize with the poor soul so much. So he's. As the space is getting cleared, he's like making neat stacks for oh. each of them to total out the uh, 4,015 gold and uh, looks at him and says, my apologies for my companions. They 
doing well, and I hope that this has not dampened your mood. Roll charisma. <laughs> okay, hold on. Uh, it's 19 plus one. He looks at you, tears in his eyes, <laughs> and he says, hold on. And he walks into the back room, and when he comes back, he has braided you a friendship bracelet that he promptly presents to you. <laughs> and then he takes your neatly stacked coins and puts them gently into the till and hands you the cloak of the cypress and 15 arrows. Thank you for this. Um. I wish there was like a display of something precarious. <laughs> oh, God, there is. You know there is, Gideon. <laughs> he works on... Slipping the friendship bracelet there onto his wrist. And it's like really intricate. This dude has enormous hands mm -hmm. because he's huge, but like he must be like really good because it's like made it sort of match your whole vibe, which is kind of like blue and green. It's a work of art. <laughs> he, As this is going on. Oh no. Oh God. Gideon's going to lean over to Iria and say, doesn't that display in the middle look a little too straight to you? It does. Yeah. Do you, should I, should I move? Something a little I, bit. Just I think to make you it should look, help him out. Yeah, like it. It should look like it's like you know, like people are actually interested in the stuff and they touch it. Exactly. A little, yeah. a little, uh, you know, lived in. Yeah. Shopped in. Shopped in. <laughs> Iria goes over and like looks interestedly at this shelf of precarious items and just lifts one little thing and puts it crooked. <laughs> Is Tonrir able to see this? Yes, Iria. Hmm? <laughs> You're breaking my heart. Roll dexterity. <laughs> uh, twelve. I don't like the silence. <laughs> I'm so nervous. I'm swallowing CBD. What? What is? <laughs> I'm, I'm actively. I'm actively drinking a calming agent, a tonic, as you were. Yuria, <laughs> I think it's a stack of like kind of like bow-shaped arcs with swords put in them. And this is a stack of like five on top of each other. <laughs> I think you straighten one of the bottom swords and you maybe didn't realize before this moment how absolutely precarious this display was. <laughs> and as you do that, as you do that, everything starts slowly tipping and anybody who wants to help can roll a dexterity saving throw. <laughs> Gideon stands still. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know that Tanra is close enough. Oh, no. <laughs> I wanted to remind you all that we still had to get our armor upgrades from this dude, from this orc that you're, <laughs> whose shop you're wrecking. What's your saving throw, area? <laughs> 15. I think you managed to catch some of it. I think you managed to not get stabbed, which is a big deal. <laughs> but I think that the top couple rows of swords absolutely, absolu see, I'm going to sob, absolutely fall <laughs> to the ground just all over. And there's swords everywhere. And it makes a huge sound. And Sogorim, which is his, his full name, um, Sogorim stands up and just says, count to 10, counting to 10, counting backwards from 10, 10, 9, 8, get out of my shop, 7, 6, <laughs> 5, please leave, 4, 3, <laughs> Two, why are you here? You're still here. Get out. One. Iria's very puffy, and she, like, slowly starts backing away while still looking at Solgren. 
Yeah, Solgarim. Solgarim. Danny rushes over and starts cleaning up the swords. Yuri, are you helping her? Yes. Okay, you guys put it back together. He just stands there and breathes deeply. And Danny says, Yeah, so, so, so they still, um, so they still need armor. Um, can you maybe? And he just like takes a very deep breath and waits for the armor that you guys need so he can go get it for you. Gideon's standing by the front door smiling. Oh, yeah. So Gideon's Gideon's armor upgrade is kind of courtesy of her. I'm good, Bubala. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gideon's got what she needs. So Tonrer and Iria, do you guys need some some armor? <clears throat> yes. However, yes. Tonrer will let Iria go first. <laughs> Tonrer turns into a Tonrer turns into a cypress tree. <laughs> <laughs> Iria goes up to Solgarin and carefully puts on her purple hat. (laughs) (laughs) You put on the purple hat. Uh Uh-huh. And the beads sort of dangle in front of your face. And there's a pause. And then you hear a voice say, Well, you really bonered this one up, huh? That is not what I thought it would say. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I'm not sure how to advise you to save this situation. It was pretty unwise to knock over all of this meticulous guy's stuff. And now you're going to, yeah, he's going to go in the back room with your armor and he's going to alter take it. Off the hat. And, it <laughs> <laughs> and as I guess put in the bag, you hear like, I'm not going to go well. <laughs> Iria is going to stay six feet away from Solgren and look up and her cat eyes are going to turn into puppy eyes and she's going to say I'm sorry I'd like some studded leather armor please roll wisdom and add five for the hat (laughs) was that was that her use for the day (laughs) yes yes it was I got 23 (laughs) okay Iria you see, this guy looks livid, but you see on the right side of his desk, a book of poetry. <gasps> That's what Iria does when she sees the book of poetry. And using your new wisdom bonus, you now understand how to ingratiate yourself to this person who you have so grievously wronged. <laughs> she steps up a little closer and is like, Solgren, do you like poetry? Do you write poetry? I think he goes from being angry to being flustered in like a hot minute. And he says, oh, well, I, uh, I dabble. Uh, I dabble. I'd love to see your work. Oh, no, you wouldn't. I don't I think. would. No, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. No. And then as he's saying, no, no, no. As he's saying, no, no, no. He slowly reaches into his back pocket and hands you, <laughs> hands you a poem that's like written in like beautiful calligraphy. It's, like, pretty good, but the thing about it is that the whole poem is about straight lines and a complete lack of dust, but it, but it's really eloquently written. The material isn't exactly gripping, but it's very eloquently written. This guy's great. She grabs the paper from him and unfolds it to read it, and she's like, I can only imagine you're so meticulous in your work that your poetry would just be magnificent and perfect and she reads it and she's like Solgren it's beautiful he has gorgeous handwriting and 
He crosses his arms and he says, Don't do it again, please. Give what what armor? Arian's like, okay, I'm sorry, I love you. And then holds up the paper and gives it back to him. A studded leather armor, please. Quick as anything, he pulls out a measuring tape and then he rapidly starts measuring you all over like your height and your width and from shoulder to shoulder. And eventually you realize he's measuring your earlobes and like he's just like, oh, you don't have earlobes, you're a cat. He's measuring your ears and everything is being measured rapidly and meticulously. And as he walks out of the room, he is reciting all of the numbers that he just measured. Oh my God. And he disappears for a little while. And then you said leather armor? Yeah, studded leather armor. He comes back with some studded leather armor, and he hands it over. He points you to a changing room to put it on. Yeah, she doesn't even go to the changing room. She just puts it on. Over your padded armor? Or do you get naked in the middle of this guy's shop? Yeah. Okay. I I took my clothes off, and then I put it on. (sighs) He sighs and stares into the middle distance with blank (laughs) eyes, and... Danny, like, punches you in the arm, Arian, and goes, look who's a stud. Arian winks. <laughs> uh, and Tonmer, it is your turn. Tonmer will wait for Arian to make her distance from Solagrim. As you could have probably guessed by now, I'm very much in tune with nature, and I need something that will keep me light, but will work well to prevent hacking and slashing the best that it can. I think he comes forward and he does the same thing. He sort of measures you all over. He measures your little ear tips. He measures your little toes, which all seems very irrelevant. And then he disappears in the back and he returns with an object that you created that is the equivalent of a different piece of armor in Pathfinder, whose name I can't remember, but we're kind of doing a druidic touch. So what is it called and what does it look like? I guess we can go with something kind of unique since it was nothing standard and just call it the uh, bark armor. Yeah, yeah, good. The armor is mostly situated around the torso and has a little bit of skirt around the waist to help with movement and protection. And what it is is a bunch of vines that are woven through bark that is treated in such a way that it does not dry out and rot. And it functions as medium armor. And it looks extremely awesome and extremely druidic and extremely beautiful. And you look as if you are 50% tree at this point. And it is a good look. And is there anything else you guys needed from in here? Any mundane items? Or are you guys all tapped out? I was going to do one other thing. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask him for uh, for a twig. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> is it a spell component? Uh, no, I was gonna, I was gonna make a return friendship bracelet for him. Oh my goodness. Oh no, that's so cute. Didn't know if he had it from a scrap pile or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you asked for a twig and I think he produces one. I don't know from where, but he definitely produces a twig and he, and he hands it to you. Tonmer holds up one hand to have him hold still and he brings the twig up to his arm and it starts weaving its own way as a, as a bracelet. Hopefully I will be able to. Come back here and see how things have progressed since. But for now, I appreciate what you have done for me and for us. And he gives a deep bow. I think he like touches it lovingly and notices the grain in the bark is perfectly straight. And he loves that. And he's about that. But then he looks at the pile of swords he has to fix and he's less about that. 
but he loves his bracelet. And I think he looks at you with big heart eyes. And then Danny says, okay, uh, Sokorim, we're going now. And he says, I wish you would. (laughs) 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 That is, that's all the shopping for you guys. You guys are all set now, yeah? Yep. Mm -hmm. As Tonrare exits, he will turn to the other two as he's walking past them and say, a burned bridge is twice as hard to rebuild. (laughs) Good thing I got jumps. (laughs) (laughs) jumps oh man it's not even hops it's jumps i love it (laughs) amazing okay so you walk out and danny says well uh that went you know time to see safira although oh iria did you want to swing by that shed from before with the weird mirror you wanted you said you wanted to try some stuff yeah, dang it. I used my floppy hat. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely did. So, do you guys all sort of accompany area to that that garbage shed that you guys were in before? Nothing like the trash shed. I'm all about it. You guys head over to that shed, and it is as it was before. It's got, like, a guard in front of it who's taking a nap. It is super dusty. Inside, it is unlit, and you can see... The sort of modest collection of adventuring supplies that you guys already picked clean. Everything in here now is either broken or kind of cursed looking. And perhaps the most cursed looking thing is the mirror against the far wall. It's covered in a dirty cloth, but the tiny, tiny top left corner is poking out. And you guys can see a demonic looking face inlaid into the frame of the mirror. And then scratched onto the mirror, you see several words in abyssal that Yuria actually asked Vesper to translate. So that's what you see. I don't know if anyone goes in the shed with Iria or if it's just Iria. Mm, I'll go, but at a distance of about five feet. Okay. Smart. Gideon? Gideon's kind of lost in her own head. She's just like looking off into the distance and standing outside. Okay. Almost kind of out of tune as if she were reading, but she's not actually holding a book. Okay. Danny is in the doorway with her hand over her eyes again, just like she did last time. <laughs> Vesper translated the words etched onto the side for you. They are abyssal. And the first word says fool. And the second word says release. He also taught you how to say these words in abyssal. So what do you do? Well, Iria had talked to Zira before while they were, you know, kind of going around and going to different shows and poetry readings and he mentioned to her that he thinks that those words are like a passcode or like a key phrase. So far, nothing like super ominous aside from the demon face in the mirror. And I think she shouts to Danny like, hey, has anyone ever tried to do anything with this mirror that you've seen? Nope. Before? Nope. No? Nope. No. They're probably all really much smarter than me, mm-hmm. huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think Iria takes off the thing that was covering it? Was it still covered? It was still covered. So you pull the dirty cloth off of the mirror, yeah? Mm-hmm, yeah. Tonra and Iria, please make will saving throws. Shit. How could this happen to me? <laughs> so 18. Okay. 24. 24? Mm-hmm. Who needs a floppy hat? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... As you caught a glimpse of your reflection, you guys both felt something tugging at your mind. But it stops. 
And there before you is just a large, dusty mirror with your reflections. Tonrear is going to look at Iria and say, What are you doing? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I think I think Iria is going to save this for later. She's done the part where she takes off the cloth thing, but she's not going to say the words into the mirror because she just, even her... Even deep down inside her soul, she has a bad feeling about it, so she's not going to do it. Iria, roll perception. Tanra, you too. Okay. Uh, 15. Uh, that's 19. Guys, you go to turn away from this mirror to leave this shed, and you hear thumping. You hear thumping coming from the mirror. And then you hear a very, very quiet, faraway voice. And the voice says, Hey, hey, hello. Is anyone out there? Iria <laughs> uh, hears that and like her ears perk back towards the mirror and she turns around and that bad feeling that she had when she was afraid to say the words, it kind of goes away because the, the voice is very sincere and um, innocent seeming and like kind of like almost like it needs to be heard or, or something. So she goes back to the mirror and I think she says the words in abyssal very slowly and clearly into the mirror. Which one do you say first? Release. <laughs> Okay, you say release, and you say it in abyssal, and it's like a very curse-sounding word that sounds like sounds a spider would make. And you say the word release, and suddenly, something tumbles out of the mirror. It's a wild-looking woman with gray skin and bright red hair and unnerving black eyes. And she squints at you in confusion and says... Who the fuck are you? What is this place? <laughs> Who the fuck am I? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I've been here. <laughs> this isn't a game of who the hell are you? 